that we ever face is the knowledge of whether we're in a relationship, a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if we are, then we can sing that song with gusto. It is well with my soul. And if we don't have the hope of having our sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus, we'll be uneasy, we'll be uncertain about the future. And I want to tell you this morning that the Lord's word is going to speak to us and he's going to call us to evaluate our relationship with him because certainly he is coming again. And so we're going to be looking at Luke 17, verses 20 to 37. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 37. Got it? So grateful for those of you that bring your Bibles and those of you that follow along in the Word because the Word of God is our authority. And so let's read together from, well, I'm going to read it. You read along. I don't expect us to all read this all out loud together. That would be a challenge. All right, so Luke 17, starting with 20. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the, kingdom, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, so then Jesus said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, another reference for Jesus, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. All that were outside of the ark were destroyed. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this. On the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life 
will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord? they ask. He replied, Where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. This is the reading of our text. Talks about like lightning, like a flash of lightning. And this week, I don't know if any of you were awake during the night when there were some flashes of lightning. Maybe many flashes of lightning. Yes, I see some head shaking. Um, Some of us can sleep through anything, but I happened to wake up. And um, I'm just telling you that there were these flashes and flashes of lightning, and all of a sudden I remembered that we had just sold our pop-up camper. And um, it was set up out in the driveway, and I started wondering... Did we zip it all up and did we put the little, you know, air vent on the top down? Because it is raining and it's storming. And I normally would wake Dana, but he gets up at 4.45 every morning. And I thought, I can do this thing. I'm going out to see if that camper is zipped up. And so I get a flashlight because it's not constant flashing of lightning, but it's a lot. And so I put the garage door up, and I'm standing there trying to be brave, like I do not want to run out when the lightning is flashing. So I'm trying to time it, and I'm trying to figure out when do I make a dash for that camper because I do not want to get struck by lightning. Now, how many of you can figure out where this story is going? I could not figure out a time where it was safe to make the run And so at some point, I just went for it with my little flashlight because when the sky wasn't lit up, it was very, very dark. And so I'm out there, and of course, my husband had it all zipped up tight. It was all good. But I had tried to time out that lightning, and I just could not figure out when it was going to flash. And that's what Jesus is saying. You are not going to be able to figure this out. The Pharisees said, when is the kingdom coming? When is the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, coming? And in his description, he's saying, you're not going to be able to figure it out. And actually, it's something that people wonder about. People wonder, if they're thinking people, they're wondering, what is this world about? What is life about? How does this story end? What's the end of all things? And they're wondering these serious questions, and they're asking Jesus, who I think they were viewing as a prophet at that time. The Pharisees say, well, when will the kingdom come? Many people are either disinterested. It talks about how in this passage it talks about Time was going on, people were marrying, they were being given in marriage, they were eating, they were drinking. Sometimes we become complacent and we kind of lose track of that there is a big narrative. Or on the other end of the spectrum, you can get really preoccupied. 
And in my growing up years in a different denomination, there was a preoccupation with trying to figure out biblical prophecy, trying to figure out where are we at in the timeline of God's kingdom, and when is Jesus returning? And um, some of them commentators said it's kind of like religious science fiction, like trying to just figure it out. But Jesus is saying you're not going to be able to figure this thing out. You're not going to be able to determine exactly when I'm coming or when the kingdom comes. And then he says this interesting thing in verse 20. He says, Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you, is what the New King James Version says. And I believe some of the older NIVs said it that way. But a better translation is the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is within your grasp. And so the Pharisees are looking at Jesus and they're asking him, when is the kingdom coming? And he's saying, it's right here. It's right here. It's within your grasp. But they're not seeing who Jesus is, that they're actually speaking to the king. They're not just speaking to the prophet of all prophets. They're speaking to the king of all kings. And I wonder, are there times when the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God is right in our midst, and we're not even recognizing the king and his authority on earth? You're going to hear me talk a little bit about what this passage is saying and kind of parallel it with what goes on in our daily lives. But how many of us have heard testimonies in this church of God's healing grace in all its various forms? Physical healings, emotional healings, spiritual healings, people coming to salvation. Last Sunday night at our congregational meeting, and I have permission to share this, there was one of our members that was just having a hard evening, Betty. Betty's gotten something else since then and is running a fever and not able to be here, but this morning she gave me permission to share this. She was struggling. Pastor Dave noticed it, said, Betty, might we pray with you? So we spent a little time praying with her. We're asking the Lord for his grace. We're asking that his kingdom would come. And Pastor Dave puts his hand on her back and is just praying in the spirit. And after we prayed for a little bit, she said, Boy, I don't know what you did back there, but boy, that feels good. And anyway, he said, Well, I don't, when I don't know how to pray, sometimes I just pray in tongues. And what happened? The Lord touched her back. Something felt better. She texted me a few days later, I slept so well last night, and I'm feeling so much better. And so the kingdom of God is present, how many of us are saying, hallelujah, Jesus is present in our midst, he's working. And how many of us kind of go, I don't know about that. I'm not quite sure how to think about that. I just want to know when is Jesus, the full, when is the kingdom coming? And we say the kingdom is here. And it is now. Some of us have heard stories about demons being driven out 
Jesus was driving out demons. And the Pharisees were observing. They were watching him carefully. They were trying to catch him in something. When you're trying to catch somebody in something, have you ever tried to watch your kid and you're trying to catch him in something? You're watching, right? The Pharisees are watching closely what Jesus is doing. People that have been in captivity to demons are being delivered. And they're saying, when is the kingdom coming? I cannot imagine the self-control and patience of Jesus as he was asked this question. And he says, it's in your midst. It's in your grasp. It's among you. Do we recognize that the kingdom and the authority of Jesus, who is king, is active in our midst? Do we recognize him? Do we notice his activity among us? These Pharisees, who you would think would have recognized the one that they were watching for, did not see him. And Jan Glass and I heard this week a woman from a Korean church came for prayer. And she said, we have these people that were within the Korean church for 20 and 30 years. And she has this huge smile and she goes, and they've just found out about Jesus and they've just accepted Jesus. And I said, they were in the church for 20 or 30 years? Yes, and so now I want to teach them about the Holy Spirit. Good, (laughs) good. But these things happen. That eyes are closed and suddenly the Lord opens eyes. But in that in-between time, when he's demonstrating his presence and his kingdom, are we aware? Do we recognize Jesus, that he is in our midst? Now, as Jesus tells them, the kingdom of God is in your midst. He's among, this kingdom is among you. I think he realizes that his disciples are watching on. And his disciples, yes, they see that not only is Jesus doing these things, but he delegates authority and they do these things, and yet there's great oppression. There's great difficulty. There's pain in the world around them. There's pain in how they're having to respond even to the religious leaders of that day. And I think Jesus has compassion on them and turns and says, and this isn't all that there is. Because otherwise you would just think, well, the kingdom's here, but this isn't, no, every tear will be wiped from our eyes, right? There's still tears. And so he turns and he shifts, and he shifts from talking to the Pharisees to explaining to his disciples, there's more to come. My kingdom will be consummated when I come back. There's a second coming. Suffering precedes glory for Jesus. We're called to pick up our cross daily and follow him. There may be some suffering, and that's not a message that we as Americans like to hear. We want to hear that it's going to be all hunky-dory from here on out. But I'm sorry, the Bible says that we may endure sufferings with him. And it's to be considered an honor that we would. And so there will be the glory day when Jesus comes back in the fullness of his authority and sets all things right. 
But in the meantime, he says, there's some suffering. I remember where he is in this story in Luke. We're on the way to Jerusalem. We're on the way to the cross. And even in this, even as he knows that he's going to suffer, he wants to tell them about the hope that they have. And he probably wants to remind himself about the hope that he has in that this time of laying down his life There will be a time where he comes back and those that have not at that point recognized that Jesus is king and submitted to his rule and reign, there will be a punishment because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, right? In Christ Jesus. And so he's he's also telling us in this in-between time, Between the time that I suffer and the time that Jesus comes back, he's saying, don't be misled, saying, oh, Jesus is over on this part of the world. Jesus is doing this over here. He says, no, no one is going to miss it. I'm going to come back. The sky is going to light up like a flash of lightning that crosses the entire sky. I was looking up lightning. I thought, well, maybe there's something interesting to know about that. I mean, when Jesus teaches... He's always, it's beyond. His word is so rich and so deep, you could study it your entire life, and there's still nuggets of just things that you learn, and you just go, oh, God is so amazing. And so the kind of lightning that spreads across the sky, it's not talking about the kind that starts in a cloud and comes down, or in the earth that goes up, or even within a cloud, or from cloud to cloud, but this kind that goes like a spider web all the way across the sky, it said it originates in a most high place. That this is a kind of lightning where the origination is higher than any of the other kind of lightnings. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that beautiful? You are not going to miss it because from the most high place, God's going to send his son and the sky is going to be brilliant. And how can it be that this flash, like a flash of lightning is going to be in day and in night? Well, the earth is round. There will certainly be some people sleeping. And there will certainly be some people working. And at that time, there's going to be such evidence in creation that Jesus the King is coming back. No one is going to miss it. We aren't going to miss it. Isn't that great news? We aren't going to miss it. We're not going to sleep through it. We're not going to work through it. We are going to see that Jesus comes back. There's some important takeaways from this passage. First of all, it's very urgent. It's very urgent that we believe in Jesus and that we profess our belief in Jesus. Because when he comes back, there's no second chances. It's an immediate thing. How quickly does lightning happen? In a blink of an eye. There is no at that point saying, Oh, I heard about Jesus. I just never kind of got around to surrendering my life and my allegiance to Jesus. No, today is the day. You are hearing that Jesus is coming back. And today is the day. If you have never given your life to Jesus, today is the day. Because even by the time that we finish this service, the sky could light up with lightning. There could be something so dramatic, and suddenly Jesus comes. Today is the day. If you've never acknowledge that there's a king and there's an end that's coming today is the day. 
It's immediate. The consequences, the results, it's going to be all laid out for everyone. There are going to be people who are taken and kept in safety, and the rest will be destroyed. And this passage references a couple of um, Bible stories from the Old Testament that I tried to comment a little bit as I read. The story from Noah in Genesis 6 through 9, and I'm going to ask right now that, Ken, would you read Noah, or Noah chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 12 through 13. Thank you. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil. It goes on to say, The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. And so, when Jesus comes back, the time is going to be when there is a situation similar to Noah where there are people who are righteous and walking with the Lord, like Noah, but that everybody else's heart is evil, corrupt, and the Lord is troubled deeply. We're troubled deeply, aren't we? When we see situations, when we, like Orlando, when we listen to um, situations like racism, when we recognize the hurt and the pain, the war, the violence, our hearts are troubled. Doesn't it make you recognize the goodness of this Heavenly Father that his heart is deeply, deeply troubled? He wants justice, but he also is a God who is merciful. And so even as we all, all of our hearts were hard and sinful, except that Jesus made them new, And the Spirit would take out that heart of hardness of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Do you understand the Heavenly Father is watching what is happening on our earth? He also talks about Lot and his family. Some of you will remember that story and others of you maybe have never heard the story of Lot. And I want to tell you that Lot lived in a time, was living in a city, where there was such sexual sin that two angels came and all the men of the city came to the house and said, give us those men that are visiting, we want to have sex with them tonight. And there was such a struggle and there was such peer pressure, the entire city was demanding this sexual perversion. And what did the Lord do? He called Lot and his family out of the city and he just completely destroyed the city do we recognize that there is sexual sin in our culture do we recognize that we all have perversions we all have 
ways that do not honor the Lord. But when we sin sexually with our bodies, we, it says it's a sin against ourselves. And we're made in the image of God. I think that's why the enemy loves to tempt us towards any kind of sexual sin. And that's why we need the blood of Jesus covering us. And that's why we need to recognize that a call to holiness is a call to honoring God. And there will be a time and there will be a place where those that are not seeking to humbly follow the Lord and have our sins covered, there will be a time of destruction. Our current situation in the world, how do we think about that Orlando shooting? We prayed about it. How do we think about it? People that are deceived. Brothers and sisters and a shooter made in the image of God and yet following some of them, following other religions, some of them resisting or rejecting God's call for sexuality and some of them just out having a good time because at that time, right, they were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage. And so at a time in history, something happened so atrocious, so violent. And that scripture from Genesis says that the violence is because of the sin. When we see violence in the land, it's because there's sin in the land. And again, it's a call to righteousness. It's a call to holiness. It's a call to perseverance. He said, remember Lot's wife. So remember, the Lord had told Lot and his family to leave that city that had all the sexual sin. Leave that city and don't look back. And she looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt. What is that about? Why would he say don't look back? I think it's because of the affections. You know, we get tied to things. He says if you're up on the rooftop, which their architecture was that there would, like we've got sometimes these balconies or patios, but a rooftop terrace was part of their home. And there was an exterior set of stairs. And he says, when you see the Son of Man coming, don't run down the steps and try to grab your stuff. You cannot take your favorite collection of baseball cards with you. You cannot take the family album. At that time, you can't even take those that you want to pull along. Because at this point, if they haven't accepted Jesus, and if they aren't following the Lord's Spirit when he calls, because he's going to make it very clear what to do, don't turn back. And when I was reading that story again this morning before in preparation for the sermon, the brother-in-law, their daughters were given to these men who were laughing and saying, that's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. God's not going to destroy this city. And do you know that there are people today that when we say as Christians, we believe Jesus is coming back, they'll say, I don't believe that stuff. That's just a story. I don't think that, you know, that, that's just maybe, you know, a nice idea of how to think about things. There's going to be a day and there's going to be a time that Jesus comes back. Will we be ready? Where will our affections be? Will we be a church that's longing for our king? We'll be ready. We sang about that. Will we be, when he comes, 
our eyes will be like, yes, I've been waiting for you. Or are we going to say, but my bicycle, my whatever, my whatever. Oh, let our hearts be fully devoted to him because he is a good and loving father. And as Pastor Dave read that passage from Revelation, he's coming to bring shalom. He's coming to bring the life that was always intended. It's gonna, there's not going to be any more tears, no more crying, no more dads or moms who disappointed us, no more choices that we made that have consequences. It's going to be washed over, reset, and it's going to be lovely and the most delightful existence for all eternity for those who don't look back, who don't have other affections. And so a couple of closing questions. Do you and do we recognize the kingdom of God, the living king and his presence among us today? Do you recognize him? Do you see him as you go about your day? Do you recognize how God is working around you? Do you hear him saying, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men? Do you recognize the kingdom being within your grasp? That today is a day that if you have never placed your allegiance and faith in Jesus, today is the day. Are you ready for his return? Are you ready for that day when, like lightning, the skies part, the trumpet sounds, And Jesus comes back to save. Are you ready? Is there anything that has you so distracted that you are not following him? Or have you fallen into complacency and just the same-o, same-o, week after week, and you're not thinking about Jesus anymore and about his return? Have you fallen into complacency? The Lord would say, wake up, sleeper, wake up. He would shake you today and say, wake up. Today is a day of good news that Jesus is coming. His love never fails. It's because he loves us that he wouldn't leave us on this earth for it to all play out. But at some point, he's going to create a new heaven, a new earth, a new creation. The old will pass away and the new will come. It's because his love never fails. It's because when our hearts break and say, this wasn't right, he's saying, I see that. My heart is grieving too, and I'm coming back. And if those people have not by that point surrendered their lives to me, it's going to be just like in the days of Noah. It's going to be just like in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah that is no more. Are we ready? Are you ready? Today is a day to place your hope in Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone to just close your eyes and let's just take a moment to reflect on what God's word said to us personally this morning.
Thank you, Jesus, that in your humility and love and patience that you demonstrated loyal love to this earth. Lord, thank you that you give us like a weather warning that says there is a storm that's coming. There is a day that's coming. Lord, I pray right now, and I just invite any of you that have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior to pray along with me, and let's just pray together this prayer out loud. Dear Jesus, I confess that I have sinned. I confess that I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the king. I see your kingdom in my midst. And I bow down to you. And I say, come into my heart. Rule in my life. Help me to live for you. To watch for your return. And to serve you each day of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your love. I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.